What's up, church? Everybody good? Good this morning? Uh, how many of you got to see the drum thing in the beginning? Was that awesome or what? Yeah, after that thing, man, I was ready to run through a wall. I'm telling you. I wanted some helmet, a helmet and some shoulder pads, and uh, I was ready to go, man. That was awesome. And so um, we're excited, excited uh, to see you here, excited to be able to come in and preach your word or preach God's word to you. And uh, just looking forward to all that God has in store for us. It's exciting to be a part of all the salvations that we're seeing, um, whether it's in Honduras or BBS or, or whatever it might be. We're just excited to see how God's moving. And today we're going to continue uh, in this Faith and Fear series. Uh, we'll be starting in 1 Samuel 17 today. And uh, we're going through the story of David and Goliath and looking at how uh, David overcame fear with his faith and he was able to do what God uh, had called him to do and positioned him to do at that time. And to th last week we talked about um, having a vision for our life and how a vision for our life will push us past fear and uncertainty as we go and pursue what God wants us to do and what God wants us to be. Um, today we're going to talk about vision for our church and, and who we are and what, who God calls us to be. And so uh, we're going to be looking at how the vision of our church and the vision of uh, this church has pushed us past a lot of uncertainty, a lot of things and times when we wondered what was going to happen. Um, but God had given us a vision to move towards, and so it, it pushed us forward and kept us going and kept us moving in the right direction. So we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, we're going to read in 1 Samuel 17, uh, beginning there in verse 17. Um, what, what we're talking about is David and Goliath. I know most of you know the story. David ends up at the front lines of the battle because he went to carry uh, some supplies to his brothers. Uh, his dad wanted him to go and check on them. When he gets to the front line, he sees Goliath, and here's his chance, and here's how he's intimidating the nation of Israel. And so uh, David volunteers to go fight him. And David goes and fights Goliath. We know that David knocks him down with a sling and a stone, and then in a gladiator-type moment goes and gets Goliath's own sword and cuts his head off. And I'm just like, that is awesome, right? Because it's, it's so intense, and you, sometimes we miss the intensity of the Bible. But we see how David did that. And so we're going to read today, picking up where um, Jesse, David's father, sends David with the supplies. So let's read from verse 17 down to verse 19. It says, Now Jesse said to David, it said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring home some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in, listen to this, in the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So they were in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that you give us. God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would hear your word in our heart and that our hearts would be good soil and that the seed that's sown there today would produce fruit in our lives. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, about, really, if you go back only a couple of years, um, none of what you see here was here. Many of you have been here since uh, we, we began building this building and, and doing different things. And uh, some of you have been here from, from the very beginning, uh, from our living room where this church started and, and uh, to the pond house and to the blue building. Um, but if you go back a little over eight and a half years ago, before this church was started, um, I was in a, a really rough place. I was in a very uh, low place. How many of you have ever been in a valley 
before in your life. You've had some valleys. Everybody in here, I'm sure, has had some valleys in their life that they've been through, some low places, some rough patches. And I was going through one of those. I've had a bad ministry experience at another church, and it had knocked a lot out of me. It had taken a lot out of, out of my energy and my, just my ability to uh, do what God had called me to do. And so I was in a really, really rough place and, and what I would call a valley. But it was out of that valley and out of that uh, low place that God birthed the greatest dream that I'd ever had. Um, and, and what I want you to see today is some lessons that I learned along the way um, in planning this church. See, as we read in the scripture, uh, it said that they were fighting in the Elah Valley. And, and so they were in a valley having this combat or, or going to fight this battle. And as we look at the valley, um, it's important to understand why they were going to fight there. The Philistines wanted to fight the Israelites in that valley because they believed that Israel's God was only God of the hills, God of the mountains. And, and as we look at this, that's why they wanted to fight in the valley because they thought, we'll defeat them there. That's where we can defeat them. That's, that's where they, what they were looking at. And the thing I want to encourage you with today, though, is this, that God is just as much God in the valley as he is on the mountain, that God is just as much God in your low place as he was when you were in that high place. And the thing that I've learned is two lessons from this. One is that when your dreams die, God can birth his dream in you. When your dreams die, God can birth his dream in you. Sometimes we go through things, and I can remember specifically on the way home from uh, the church that I was at during that time, uh, pulling over on the side of the road, and, and I was sobbing, and Susan called me. She wanted to come get me where I was because I was so upset I, I, about the things that had gone on. And, and I remember her telling me, I'll come get you. I said, no, I'll, just, I'll go home. But the truth was, I didn't know if I wanted to drive uh, to, back to our house or drive off in the river. I mean, I was at that low of a spot. And so the thing, though, that I, I saw is that out of that low spot, God began to birth a dream in our heart. He began to give us a dream. And God was just as much God in that valley, in the low place, as he was on the mountain. The second thing that I learned out of that is that when God confirms you in the valley, no one can take it away from you on the mountaintop. Because, see, in that low place, there was nothing for me. When I got home, Susan um, was kind of firm with me. And she said, you need to go get with God and figure out where God's leading us. And she kind of kicked me out of the house, right? It wasn't like a whole pity party. It was more like, get out of here, go figure out where God's leading us. And so I went to a cabin in Garfield, Georgia. Um, some of you may know where Garfield is. If you don't, you kind of have to get lost to find it. It's just way out in the middle of nowhere. And so I went to a cabin there. Later I found out it was called God's house. And so I went to this cabin and I began to seek the Lord about what he wanted us to do um, as a family, um, as Susan and I as husband and wife. And I'll be honest with you, I was in a place where I didn't know if I even wanted to be in ministry anymore. But I went, and, and I, as I began to pray and seek God, um, he began to work in my heart. And I got to this place finally where um, there was nothing else left. I was 33 years old, um, and, and I had no job. I had no ministry, but called myself a pastor um, so all of this stuff, there was nothing. I had two kids at home that I needed to provide for. I didn't know how that was going to happen. And so on my 33rd birthday, excuse me, on my 33rd birthday, when, you, when your mouth gets dry, it's hard to say 33rd. <laughs> so on my 33rd birthday, as I was um, praying, I realized that everything had been stripped away. There was nothing else there. And, and, but then as I began to pray and seek God, it was like he showed me a little flame, an ember that still burned in my heart. 
And as I began to look at that and God began to speak to me, what I saw there was a call to be a pastor, a call to preach the gospel, a call to lead the church. And that was the only thing that was really left there. Everything, there was nothing else there for me to grab onto. And so I want you to see how sometimes the best thing that can happen is for our dreams to die. Because when our dreams die, God's able to birth his dream in our heart. God eventually told us, do what, do what your hand finds to do. Whatever God, what, he said, whatever I put in your heart, do it. Whatever your dream is, do it because I've shaped and molded your dream to be my dream. Now go and do what's in your heart. And that was to plant this church as God began to speak to us and show us. But I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to plant a church. I didn't know if I even wanted to be in ministry. But when everything else was gone, the only thing that was there was that I was called to preach the gospel. And I was called to preach to, to God's people and called to lead his people. And so it was the greatest confirmation that I could ever get. And when God confirmed me in the valley, in that low spot, when everything else was stripped away, it did more for me than anything else ever could. It, it confirmed me in a way that, that I never thought I could be confirmed. Listen, I had preached to large crowds. I had been a part of successful ministries. I'd been under the lights and the smoke and all the stuff that goes along with the, the services and seeing God do some awesome things, but I was still looking to other people for my validation. I was still looking to other people to confirm who I was and what my calling was. And the thing that I had to come to the conclusion of and the thing that I realized in that moment when everything else was gone is that it was God who was calling me to do this. It wasn't someone else. And my heart and my hope for you is that you would be able to hear what God is calling you to, what God wants you to be, what God wants you to do. Because he's got a calling for your life as well. It may not be to be a pastor. It may not be to be a preacher, as we call it. But I can tell you this. It is to preach the gospel. I can tell you that God has a calling for your life, that he's setting you apart so that he can use you in his kingdom. In fact, I want to look at the scripture that God gave me as, we, as I was at that cabin on the porch and, and, and really be able to show you what he was speaking to my heart. And I hope that by you hearing this, that it would encourage you to ask God, God, what are you speaking to my heart? What is it you want for me? What is the calling you have on my life? What do you want me to spend my time doing so that I can advance your kingdom? If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 9, just back up a few chapters, you find where there's a man, a prophet by the name of Samuel. And God tells Samuel he's to anoint a man by the name of Saul as king. And Saul comes to Samuel, and, and this is where, that's what's taking place where we're going to pick up. Saul had gone looking for his father's donkeys, um, but God brought him to a, a divine encounter with Samuel. And Samuel anoints him to be king over Israel. It says in verse 25 in 1 Samuel chapter 9, it says, After they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house. They rose about daybreak, and Samuel called to Saul on the roof. Get ready, and I will send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. As they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here a while so that I may give you a message from God. And so Samuel sends everyone else away and, and, and is there just wanting to speak just to Saul. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? In other words, he's going to be ruler over the kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel. And it says, when you leave me today, he begins, and he's going to give him these things that are going to happen. He says, when you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. 
They will say to you, the donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will meet, greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres and timbrels and pipes and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. It says in verse 6, the spirit of the Lord will come up powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. And listen to verse 7, once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. These are the verses I was reading that morning as I sat on the porch of God's house, this cabin in Garfield. And as I was reading those verses, um, I, I learned another lesson. And that lesson is that your anointing and calling comes from God and no one else. God had got me away by myself uh, to, to, to be alone with him. And he began to speak to my heart. And just as Samuel sent Saul or sent everyone else away but Saul, um, Samuel wanted him to hear God's message. And God, I believe, wanted me to hear his message straight to my heart so that he could confirm me in what I was called to do and who I am and what I was called to be. And I want you to be encouraged that God wants to do the same thing with your life. God wants to speak directly to you. Um, he doesn't want you just to hear him through me or, or just to hear him through someone else. He wants you to hear him yourself. He wants to confirm you and, and, and you're calling to be sure in, in him and in what he has told you. And this is important. It's important for us to realize that God has anointed us. Um, as, as, as he anointed Saul with that olive oil, God has anointed us with the Holy Spirit. He's filled us with the Spirit. If you're in Christ, then God has put his Spirit in you. You have been filled, anointed with the Holy Spirit. And he's also set you apart for his work. And so God has done those two things, filled you with his Spirit, and then he has called you to do his work in his kingdom. What has God called you to be? Uh, is it a school teacher, a banker? Is it a construction worker? Whatever it is that God's called you. Is it a pastor? Is it someone to work with youth? What, what has God called you to be? Because the calling on your life is just as strong and as important as the calling on my life. Just because I'm a preacher, because I'm a pastor, it doesn't mean that there's something different about me. I'm just fulfilling the role that God called me to fulfill. But God has a role he wants you to fulfill. He wants you to be a part of. He wants you to be a part of his church to, for using your gifts and your unique abilities to advance his kingdom and advance uh, what he wants to do in this community and in other communities. And so I want you to be able to see that today, that God has anointed you with the Holy Spirit, and he has called you with a calling to be a part of advancing his kingdom. I know for me, it was one of those things where I kind of always felt like God was calling me. It was weird because it was even before um, I was saved, I kind of felt like there was something in my heart there that, that, that God was revealing, but I couldn't really understand it until I gave my life to Christ. But it's funny because like my great-grandmother used to tell me, she would say, you're called to be a preacher. You're, you're going to be a preacher one day. I'm like, Grandma, you've gone mad, right? Because I'm not going to be a preacher. Um, I had a youth pastor one time. I'd gone to church with Susan. I didn't really go to church at this time in my life. I'd gone to church with Susan, and it was this guy's last day. And his last day, he walks up to me, looks me in the eye, and he says, you're going to be a preacher one day. You just don't know it yet. 
I was like, whatever, man, you, you know, I don't know what you're doing, but it's not, I don't think you're hearing God. And, uh, and, and then Susan, my wife, who I dated for several years before we got married, um, she would tell me all the time that she was going to marry a pastor. And I'm like, Susan, you need to be dating Tom because I'm not going to be a pastor. Tom was a good-looking guy. You know, he was going to be a, a pastor one day. He was going into ministry. I was like, you need to date Tom because I'm not going to be a preacher. But somehow God used them to begin drawing me to him and revealing this to me. And I wonder how your experiences in life might be there to guide you towards what God wants you to be about and how he wants to use you in your workplace. One of the places I know he's called us men is in our families to be the leader of our home, to be the spiritual leader of our home, to be the priest of our home, to lead our families closer to Jesus. And my challenge to you this morning would be to ask yourself, am I leading my family closer to God? Am I leading them closer to Jesus? Or am I actually pulling them away? Or is, am I in a place where my wife does it all, she's the leader of the home, and she's the one that, that's leading us closer to Christ. But listen, God has made you head of the family, and he wants you leading your family closer to Jesus, loving your wife as Christ loved the church, and then living out your life in a way that shows others uh, who he is. And so we're, we're called to do that, called to be that. But your anointing, you've got to hear that from God. That's something that God's got to speak to you. You're calling. You've got to hear that from God. Uh, listen, one of the things I realized that is if I base my calling off of what other people say, then, then what, what if in two months they change their mind and I'm no longer called? Well, then I don't know what to do. But when I hear it from God, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, who never changes, it gives me something solid. It gives me a foundation to stand on. And so my heart for you and my, my prayer for you is that you would pray and ask God to speak to your heart about who he's called you to be. The work that we're called to do as a church is, is not done. I want to shift gears just a little bit because that's a little bit about where we've been, where we came from. In that low place, God spoke to my heart to plant this church we started meeting in my home. We went to a pond house and met there for a while. Went to the blue building that you probably heard about if you've been here very long. And we were there. Then we went to the high school, stayed there almost four years. And then we came um, into this building and, and began to have our services here. The one thing I'll tell you about all of those places and all of those times is that the same God that's working here now was working in that pond house and in my living room. The same God that was working in my living room is still working here. And we're seeing God do some incredible things. And, and as we planted the church, God began to give us a, a mission. He began to give us a plan. And, and he began to tell us what we were there to do. And we're here today because God has called us to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. That's the, the heart of what we're doing. We say that, uh, that we want to connect people to a growing relationship with Christ. That's what our heart is. That's what the mission of this church is. That's why God has called us. That's what God has put in our heart to do. If this is your church, then that's, that should be part of your mission as well, is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. I remember we first started too, we, we felt like we needed some to know where we were going. Like, where was God sending us? What was God calling us to do? And, and so we began to pray about a vision. But God, give us a vision of where you want us to go. Give us a vision of where you're taking us. And as we prayed, um, we, there was about 12 of us sitting around in a circle one day. And we were just asking the question, what does God want to accomplish through us? And so we started praying and we came up with a vision uh, that was called 202080. 
And what we wanted to see were 2,000 people uh, reached with the gospel by the year 2020. And we wanted to see 80% of those people serving in connect groups and giving generously. And, and we, we began to pray about that. And God began to lead us. And God began to work. And as God began to work, we began to see him do more than what we thought he was, was going to do. To be honest, we had sold God short. Um, if God had done what we wanted, uh, it wouldn't have been nearly as impactful as God doing what he wanted to do. And so what we started seeing was God move in incredible ways. And instead of it being 2020 when we began to reach around 2,000 people, it was more like 2014 was when we got to where we were about to reach 2,000 people. And so we realized God had something bigger in mind. And so we went back and we started praying again. God, what do you want us to do? Who do you want us to be? And God put in our heart that we would reach 10,000 people with the gospel and that 80% would be serving and in connect groups and giving generously. And so we, we, we felt God put this in our heart. We felt God doing this and leading us to this. And so it was a big vision. It's a big vision that God's given us. But we, we, we know that, that God's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. And if you're like me, I want to be a part of something that God does that no one else can take the credit for. Something that God does that everybody's in awe of how he's done it and what he's done. And so that's the vision of our church. And sometimes people will ask me, they'll say, well, why do we need big vision? Why do we need big vision? I say, because we serve a big God. And I want to answer that with three questions. The one is, do you serve a big God? How big is your God? Because I know this, my God's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than what I could think or imagine. And I believe that he has done that and he will continue to do that. The second question I would ask you is, can you connect too many people to God and to each other? The answer is obviously no. You can't connect too many people to God and to each other. It's what God wants us to do. It's what he wants us to be about is connecting people to him, connecting people to each other. And then the third one is this, does every number matter? And the answer is absolutely. It's not about 10,000 people. It's about each person that makes up that 10,000. It's about reaching that one person who's next, the one person that God has put his finger on and is drawing to himself. It's about reaching that person and, and being there to lead them closer to Jesus, uh, being able to preach the gospel to them, to serve them uh, in different ways so that they're able to come to know Christ the way we have. Where we're at right now is in our attendance at each of all of our campuses combined, we're averaging about 2,130 people a Sunday that God has brought to this church. Uh, we average about 372 kids per week um, in this church and at all of our campuses. Those are, those are children that we have the opportunity to preach the gospel to, to pour the gospel into. It's not, we don't do childcare, we don't do babysitting. This is something that we take seriously. We don't believe that the students and the kids today are, are the future of the church. We believe they're the church now that God wants to use them now. I can't tell you how many times I've seen children lead their parents to Christ because they were the ones wanting to get up and come to church. That's the opportunity we have is to see these kids make a kingdom impact, right? Amen. And in, in, we, we have seen since 2009 when this thing began, we have seen 970 people get baptized. 970 people get baptized. We've seen 688 salvations, 688 salvations that have taken place. 
And right now we have about 981 people who are in connect groups across all of our campuses. And the reason I tell you that, guys, is, is one, just to celebrate what God has done. It's okay to celebrate God moving in our lives. But the second thing is to say this, we're not finished. We're not done yet. There's more to do. And God has called many of you to be a part of what he's given this church to do. He's called many of us to run together to accomplish what God has for us and, and to accomplish the vision that he's given us. And my heart and my prayer is that you would ask God, God, where have you called me to? And here's the thing, he's called you, yes, in your personal life, to be maybe a father, to be a, a, a banker, to be a teacher, to be whatever. But he's also called you to belong to a body. See, the church is not somewhere you go. We think of the church as the building. The church is people that we belong to. It's people that we're heart and soul with. It's people that we're running together with to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. It's so much more than just an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. It's so much more than that. It's our whole life that he calls us to spend in community together with each other, doing what he wants us to do. And I realized all the way through this, as we walked this out, another lesson that I learned was that God's vision for our lives is bigger than ours. God wants to use us in ways that we can't fathom, we can't understand. And we've seen God do that, but there's more to be done. There's more that God wants to accomplish. When we come to a place of having a mission and a vision, it becomes a mindset for our lives. And God begins to push us in a direction. He begins to move us in a direction to, to accomplish things. But I believe he unfolds the plan one step at a time. And as we began to walk this thing out, God began to speak to us about four things that we believe God wants us to do. The very first one of those things is the Sunday morning worship time, which is what you're at now. And we always felt this was one of the biggest things that God wanted us to do, one of the four things that we were going to do as a church. And, and really, if you look at it, Sunday morning in the South and going to a, the church, which most people think of as the church building, uh, is sort of just the facade of the church. It's a place where people would go and do their, their weekly deal and get it done and then go about their lives for the rest of the week. What we want and what we hope for is that people come in on Sunday morning, experience the power of God, and realize that this is just the entryway. This is just the beginning, that you come in here, but there's more to take place, that they experience the power of God, want to know this real God even more, and then we can introduce them to the real church who are the people. So that we have a Sunday morning where people can come and we can worship and we can be taught and we can learn and we can gather and we can do all of those things. And, and, and it's all though dependent upon the Spirit of God moving in people's hearts. It's about Him moving in our hearts and our lives. And so we want people to experience Him here and then us be able to introduce them to the true church, which is the people. And one way we do that is through our connect groups, which is the second thing that we were called to do is to have our connect groups, our small group ministry, where people are able to gather in, in small groups. It makes a big church feel smaller because you have a close relationship with some other people who are going the same direction that you're going. And so that's why we always encourage people to get into a connect group so that you can have community with each other and be running with some people who are going the same direction you are, people who can walk through the valley with you and remind you that God is just as much God in the valley as he is on the mountaintop, but other people to strengthen us and walk with us and go with us 
uh, is one of the other things that he called us to. It's those connect groups. The third thing is to have our kids and student ministry, whether it's kids or whether it's youth, whether it's college students, but to be a church that's pouring into them. As I said, they're not just the church of the future. They're the church now. They're part of the kingdom now. God wants to use them now to reach people and to help grow them up. And so we're constantly pouring into these children and hopefully being able to equip you to pour into your own children even more and in a better way. The fourth thing that we're going to do is missions and outreach. We're going to do missions and outreach. We're going to be about going to the ends of the earth and going and helping other churches that are around the world. Um, we have a church in Honduras right now that we're really working with. But to help them plant other churches in Honduras, uh, that with uh, the church that we've seen, it was with that church that we were able to see the 11 salvations that took place last week. And it's also for us to continue to plant churches here in the States, but continue to plant. We planted in Vidalia and Millen and Dublin and here in Statesboro. But there's more that God wants to do and more that he wants to accomplish and I want to encourage you that we don't stop here, but we keep moving forward with this missions and outreach, with this mindset and this vision and this mission that God's given us, that we continue to move forward. And so we've got Sunday mornings, we've got our connect groups, we've got our kids and student ministries, and we've got missions and outreach. And those are the four things that we try to focus on. We don't try to do a whole bunch of stuff because we feel like if we can can preach the gospel, get people in community, raise up our, uh, the next generation and this generation of young people to serve him and to live for him. And then we're doing missions and outreach. We feel like that's what we need to be doing. And so we don't do a lot else. We, we try to put every bit of energy we have into those things. And so that's where, what we're called to do and that's who we're gonna be. And as we planted the church and as we began moving with the church and God began doing things, something we kind of came across that, was kind of unexpected, but we discovered that there are four cultures in the church that have to be strong, four things that have to be strong that we feel like are actual cultures that um, define who the church is. And the first one of those is community. And I talked about that with our connect groups, but it's when you're in community that you're being discipled, you're grow, being raised up um, in Christ, becoming more like Jesus. It's in community that you have fellowship with other people. It's in community, um, in these connect groups, that, that you're cared for. Listen, this church is to a place where I can't care for every single person. It's impossible. Our staff even can't care for every single person. But our connect groups are there. Usually if something happens and someone's in the hospital, their connect group will beat one of us there every time because they're there ready and walking with them through whatever they're going through. And so I'd encourage you to get into a connect group with people who can walk with you and you can experience community with. The next culture is evangelism. We gotta be telling people about Jesus. We gotta be telling people um, who he is and what he's like and what he's done in our life. And, and, and we, we have to tell them one thing that sometimes we think is I'm just going to live a good life and let them figure it out. But we've got to tell them at some point, we've got to open our mouth and say, listen, this is why I have the hope that I have. This is why I smile even though I'm going through some stuff. It's because of what Jesus has done. And so we evangelize, we tell people the good news, and we have the greatest news ever that we're called to share. The third culture is generosity. Generosity. It's to be generous. It's to give to to the church and to others as God leads us to and to be faithful with what God's given us and stewarding our resources. And, and we have to be generous with something that, that God gave us to 
help us, not because he needs our money, but because it's something that helps us. It's one of those things where Jesus talked about it more than anything else. And the reason he did that is because he knew that money would be the number one competitor for our heart. And so when we give our money, um, it, it, it impacts our heart. He even tells us that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And it's interesting that he says that where the treasure is, our heart will go. Not where your heart goes, the money goes or your treasure goes. And so it's important that we realize God's called us to be generous. One, for our own heart, but two, to advance what God wants to do. The last culture is serving. And this is when we put others' needs ahead of our own. And I believe God calls each one of us to serve. To serve in the church, absolutely. In this body, absolutely. But also to serve out there in the community. And so we're called to be servants. You know, listen, when you're parking cars out there, it's not just about parking cars. You're helping remove uh, barriers and walls from people's hearts and lives that, that they're walking in with. My goodness, I, I bet you if we did an honest show of hands, sometimes for many of you, Sunday morning is the most hectic time of the week because you're trying to get kids in the car. You're trying to get, for me, my wife in the car. You're trying to get on the go, right? Moving. And sometimes it's the worst thing, but man, I feel like when somebody pulls in the parking lot, they can begin experiencing God from the moment they pull in the parking lot to the time they leave the parking lot. And so we're not just parking cars. We're not just babysitting. As I said, we're there to minister to these kids. We're not just there uh, to stand and hold doors open, man. We're, we're on the front lines of the battle, making people feel welcome. And some of us have been in church so long that we've forgotten what it's like to walk through the doors of a church for the first time. But it's intimidating. And, and all of the ways that we serve and the things that we do, whether it's with kids, youth, or adults, listen, all of the ways we serve are ways that we begin to break down walls with people and they begin to feel welcome and they can begin to feel like they found a home and they can then begin to experience the reality of Jesus. And that's what it's all about, is preaching the same message from the parking lot to the pulpit so that people can hear the gospel and respond to God's voice when he calls them. And so it's important that we serve. So those four things of community, serving, of, of, of evangelism, and generosity are all very important to this life of this church and to what we're called to be and what we're called to do. Because this is what I know, guys. I said it earlier. God's not done. God, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than what we can think. And he wants to use us to do that. What a privilege we get to have to be a part of what God's doing. I'm going to end this morning by, by sharing what I want for you and something that this church wants for you. See, in all of these things, it's not something we want from you. It's something we want for you. And, and the first thing I would tell you is this, I want you to be where God wants you to be. I want you to be in the church, in the body of believers that God's called you to be in. If you're not, it's not right for, for anybody. It won't be right for you, it won't be right for us, it won't be right for them. And I want you to pray and, and ask God, God, is this where you're calling me to be? Is this where you're planting me, is in this church? Because if he is, then get planted so that you can produce fruit. Jump in. Don't stick your toe in the water. Jump in if God's called you here and, and be a part of what God's doing. I'm telling you, the people who are plugged in and are in connect groups and are serving, those people are growing. They're growing closer to Christ. They're, they're being used to reach people with the gospel. And I'm encouraging you, if this is your church that God's called you to, jump in and get involved. Get plugged in. Get connected. 
It'd be bad for our name to be connection and we didn't connect anybody, right? And so the reality is if this is your church, get connected. If this isn't where God's calling you, then God bless you. Go, go find the place that he's calling you to because that's the only time it's going to be right for you. And for that church is when you're there using your unique gifts and your unique experiences and your unique abilities to help reach people who are far from God. If this is it, man, that's awesome. But if it's not it, we want you to be where God wants you to be because the most important thing is not which church you attend. The most important thing is that you're planted in God, planted in his word, planted in his community, and you're growing and you're producing fruit for the kingdom. That's the most important thing. And so we've got to come to a place where we've prayed and we've sought God. And so I want for you to be in the right place, the place that God's called you to. I want for you to be planted where you can produce fruit. Another thing I want for you is if this is your church, I'm just talking to the people who feel called here now. But if this is your church, I want you to go through the heart and soul class. I want for you to do that because it's going gonna, it's gonna to shore up your foundations of faith, but it's also going to help you know more about the church that God's called you to. You can sign up for all of this stuff back at the next steps table after the service. You can go sign up, but, but go through the heart and soul class. It's important. It's something that we, we think is one of the most important things that we do is, is to get you in there so that you can know why, know why you're here and so that you can see how you can become more involved and more plugged in. We want for you also to be in a connect group. I can't say that enough, that if you're here and God's called you here, then get in a group. Get in a group and begin to do life with somebody. Listen, here's the thing I'll tell you. It might take you getting in more than one group. You might get in a group with a bunch of weirdos. I'm just telling you. Because we're all kind of weird, right? And so you might get in a group and it doesn't work. Well, then get in another group. We'll help you find the group that God wants you to be in. But be in community with other believers. You, you weren't created to do life alone. You are created to do life with other believers. And so do that. Get involved. Get involved with a group and give it some time. You're not just going to walk in there the first night and feel like sharing your heart with everybody. You might, but I doubt it. It takes time to be able to get in there and get to know people and build relationships and begin walking with them. So get involved in a connect group. We want for you to honor God with all that he's given you with your resources. We want for you to do that. I explained why earlier. But, but God doesn't need what we have. But what we need to do is be generous with what we have so that the condition of our heart is right. So the condition of our heart stays that my, my, ultimate, uh, my ultimate trust and my ultimate allegiance is to God's kingdom, not my own kingdom that I'm trying to build. The last thing is I want for you to serve. I want for you to serve in the community. I want for you to serve here because I believe that is part of our discipleship. That is part of what God's called us to do and to be. And listen, I feel like this, it ought to be one of those things where we have so many people wanting to serve that we have to tell people, look, look the hallway is going to be full of people serving this week. So can you wait till next week? But it doesn't really work that way. Typically it works with us scrambling to find enough people to get it done. And the thing that I would challenge you with is where's God calling you to serve in the church, but in the community as well? Do we serve in the church or do we serve in the community? The answer is yes. We do them all. And I know for some of us, we feel like that's just too much to ask. But the reason it's too much to ask is not because God's asking us to do too much. It's because we're doing too many other things that are getting in the way of what God wants to do. 
And so we need to make sure our priorities are in line, that our heart's where it needs to be, and that we can, can, can invest in things to where God wants us to invest. And so I want for you to be able to be where God wants you to be. I want for you to go through that heart and soul class and learn more about how you can use your gifts and abilities here in this church if this is where God's called you. I want for you to give generously. I want for you to serve. I want for you to be in community through a connect group. I want those things for you because I've seen how powerful they've impacted my life. It's not just something I'm taking out of here. Honest to goodness, I try to live this out the best I can. I try to never ask you to do something that I'm not doing. In fact, I won't. If, if I can't stand up here and say, look, this is where I'm at and this is what I'm doing and this is how I'm living, then I won't stand up here and tell you to do that because I'm not asking you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. I'm not gonna do it. And, and, and so I want you, I want for you to fulfill every ounce of potential that Jesus has given you. And it's a lot, it's more than what you think. It's so much more than what you think that God's given you the ability to have such a huge impact. We read the scripture out of 1 Samuel chapter 9. And it's when Saul was anointed to be king of Israel. The Israelites wanted a king. God sort of reluctantly gave them one in Saul. He had all the potential in the world. The first king of Israel, right? We think about our first president. Everybody knows him and and we're, we, we know things about him. He had a chance to leave a legacy that the Israelites would have talked about forever. But he never saw himself the way God saw him. He never saw himself as the, the anointed king, the leader of Israel. And so he never did what God had called him to do. My, my challenge to you would be, don't be that way. Get with God. And let him confirm you in who you are, number one, and in what he's called you to do and to be, number two. Saul ends up ending his life by falling on his own sword. How, how sad is that, right? Wasted potential. Wasted potential. Because he can never truly see himself the way God saw him. He can never see himself being what God called him to be. And I don't want for us to be that way. I want for us to exhaust every ounce of potential that God's given us, leaving nothing on the table, but, but allowing God to do everything He has in mind through us as we surrender to Him. And I believe this with all my heart, we're gonna continue to see God impacting the community. We're gonna see God continue to impact other communities like Millen and Dublin and, and Vidalia. And there's more to come. And so my challenge to you, first of all, is where are you with God? And second of all, is where God, does God want to use you in your life and in the life of a church? First things first, though, we call Sundays like this a lot of times where we talk about the vision of the church, bus stop Sundays. And the reason we do that is because it, it gives people an opportunity to get on or get off. And it gives them a chance to know this is my church or this isn't. It gives them a chance to get involved or, or, or go and find a place that they, they can be involved, right? And so it's a bus stop Sunday. But the first thing we've got to make sure of is that we're even on a bus, that we're, we're, we're in a relationship 
with Jesus because that's the first thing that needs to happen is we need to come to a place of knowing God and knowing Christ and being in a relationship with Him. And so my first question to you is this, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Not do you go to church, not do you read your Bible occasionally, not do you uh, say a blessing at meals, but do you have a relationship with Jesus? That's the first thing that's gotta be taken care of because he's the only one who can save you. He's the only one who can, can give you the spirit of God in you to shape you and mold you. And so if you're here today and you don't know Christ, that's the first step we need to take. And we want to help you take that first step. And so if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but God's been drawing you, maybe through weeks of hearing messages, God's been drawing you, maybe through encounters with friends and other people outside the church, God's been drawing you. Just somehow he's been drawing you by his spirit to him. And this is what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you, if you're here today and that's you, that he's drawing you to himself and you know it, and you would say, I want that relationship with God. And I'm gonna ask you right here, right now, would you raise your hand and say, I need a relationship with Christ. I need salvation. Amen. Amen. One in the back and this lady here, Miss Beth, can you pray with this lady? And then there's a gentleman in the back also. Anybody else that today, man, listen, I know this is not, not a typical Sunday for us. It's, it's more talking about vision and mission and where we're going and trying to get you on board with, with uh, what God wants for you. But we gotta know that, that Jesus, he paid it all for us. And it's only because of him that we can accomplish anything that's of lasting value, of eternal value. So anybody else, you'd say today's a day of salvation. The last thing I wanna do is this. I wanna pray for us all. I wanna pray um, that, that God would continue to use us, that he would bind us together by the Holy Spirit to, to be his people and to do what he's called us to do. And, and as I'm praying, if today you would like prayer, I'm gonna ask the other members of our prayer team, if you would, would you go stand by the doors over here? And, and if you today would like prayer for anything at all, then they're gonna meet you over here at these doors. They wanna pray with you. If you're walking through the valley of something right now, then they wanna pray with you. They wanna help you uh, do whatever it, and, and help you to get out of that valley, help pray with you in the valley and help you understand maybe what God's trying to do in your life while you're there. So they'll pray with you about anything, but I wanna pray. And then once I pray, um, I'm gonna ask you to move. You can begin to move when I pray and you can go get prayer and they'll be there to help you and to pray with you. So let's pray together and ask God to continue to use us. God, I thank you so much for your word and I thank you for life, the life that you give us through your son and the life you give us through your word, God. And I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that you would move in a mighty way. I pray that God, you would, would just uh, reorient our lives to your will and what you want for us, Jesus. Just help us to be the people you created us to be, not leaving one ounce of potential on the table, but doing everything that you have for us. Let us be the church you've called us to be, Lord. God, I pray that you would, would, would reach people who are far from you. I pray that you would reach people, God, who, who maybe um, they've given up on themselves 
And God, would you use us to reach them? Would you give us eyes to see people the way you see them? God, would you do that? I, I pray that we would be filled with the power of the Spirit. This place would be anointed, God, by the Spirit and that people would come to know you here and that, God, we would be anointed as we go throughout the community and doing the things that you called us to do. God, that we would be able to see people come to know you through our testimonies and through us sharing the gospel. God, would you continue to do that? God, I pray for other churches in this community. God, I, I pray for them that, that, God, you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for the, the Baptist churches and the Methodist churches. And God, I, I pray for um, Lifespring Church. I pray for, God, um, Compassion Church, for Southbridge, God, for all the churches in this community, God, that you would use them to reach people close to you. God, I pray that their relationships with you would be strong. And God, that you would use them in a mighty way for your kingdom. Give us your heart, God empower us to do what you created us to do. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. I hope you have an awesome week. Let's be the church in this community.